Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of Acts and the Apostle Peter's first sermon to the people of Israel on the day of Pentecost. Many of these people in the crowd were witnesses to the miracles of Jesus and his crucifixion. Peter's powerful sermon convicted them of their sin along with their complicity with the Jewish leaders. 3,000 who heard Peter's message repented and accepted Christ. Please listen to Pastor Harris as he continues with the narrative of Peter's sermon in today's portion of this week's message entitled, Jesus is Lord and Christ. Number two, you nailed him to a cross. Verse 23, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Now, last time when we finished up in these verses, we emphasized the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. I won't review all of that, but just understand, Jesus going to the cross was not God doing damage control after the Jews rejected Him. That was not plan B. It was the plan of God from before the foundation of the world, just as Peter said that Joel had said. Um, This was the sovereign plan of God to send His Son to die for our sins just as He promised in His Word. You can go look at it in Isaiah 53. God was pleased to crush His Son for us. Now, that may cause your mind to do a little bit of a meltdown, but understand God is in control. But now, I want you to notice the last half of that verse where Peter zeroes in on the responsibility of man. Last time we said this is the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. God is sovereign, but the responsibility of man is always proclaimed in the Bible side by side with the sovereignty of God. This man you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Peter is saying, we all in Israel, you that I'm preaching to, are guilty of sending this man to the cross. Now, the leaders of the Jews had manipulated the Romans into doing their dirty work for them to actually get Jesus crucified because they didn't have the legal authority to do that. But God used evil, godless men to accomplish His purpose. And at the same time, He never overruled their decisions. He never made anyone do something they didn't choose to do, and He never took away their guilt for what they did. They were responsible for putting Jesus on the cross. The Bible constantly presents the total sovereignty of God and the complete responsibility of man side by side. Both of them are true all the time. Now look what Jesus said when Judas went out to commit the most dastardly betrayal of all time. 
It was at that Passover meal the night before he went to the cross, just before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was arrested, <laughs> and Judas left. And Luke twenty-two twenty-two, Jesus says this, For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. You might say the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. But woe to the one or to that man by whom he is betrayed. Woe is the word of declaring damnation. Look, this is the plan of God, but betraying me is wrong. And Judas is responsible. So Peter can look at that crowd and he can say, you nailed him to a cross. Now, if Peter were here, he could point his finger at me and say, you nailed him to a cross. Metaphorically speaking, I mean, it was for my sin. You could say that to any sinner anywhere because it was for our sin that Jesus died. Paul said, I came to you and I preached the message, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. But in Jerusalem, just 50 days after the crucifixion, those words, you nailed Him to a cross, were all the more poignant. Some of the people who heard this sermon from Peter on that day may have been among those those people in the crowd that shouted, crucify him, when Pilate asked, what shall I do with this Jesus? Now, keep following Peter's impeccable logic here. Jesus lived. You nailed him to a cross. Number three, God raised him up again. And now under the influence of the apostate Pharisees and Sadducees, the primary groups that led the Jews, the people had been swept along toward demanding that Jesus be crucified. But the plan of God was not thwarted. His glory was only magnified by what happened next. Verse 24, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. You're going to see as we work through the book of Acts that the theme of the preaching of the apostles and everybody else that proclaimed Christ in that first generation of believers is always the resurrection of Jesus, because that was what confirmed all of His claims to be God in human flesh. The resurrection puts the exclamation point on the gospel. The gospel is good news, and the word gospel is used even in, the, even in the gospels before the death and resurrection of Christ, because that was the, proclam- the, the proclamation of the coming of a king. The good news, the king is coming. Well, Jesus is the king, he's here. But now, not only has he arrived, not only has he offered the kingdom, he's died and risen again. And so that's the exclamation point. The resurrection proves that God the Father accepted Jesus' sacrifice for sin once for all. The resurrection is at the core of Christianity. Belief in the resurrection is essential for salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, we'll come back to that word at the end of the Peter sermon. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, you could take that verse and work it backward. You will not be saved if you don't believe that God raised him from the dead or you don't believe that he is Lord. This is, this is essential. So verses 23 and 24 put it together in, in one complete thought. 
Acts 2, 23 and 24. This man you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For Jesus, the resurrection was when the Father put an end to the agony of His death. Now, the, words, the word translated agony is a really interesting word. It usually is used for birth pangs, for um, contractions, if you will, that lead to the birth. What a great word picture that is. Like labor pains, now I've never had them, but they don't look like any fun from what I've heard and the description that I've heard, but they're temporary and they lead to a great thing when the baby shows up. Well, the pain of death for Jesus was temporary. It resulted in the resurrection. And it was impossible for Jesus to be held in the grip of the power of death because He's the one who overcame death. Jesus is, as He said at the resurrection of Lazarus, uh, John 10, 25, He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Then He goes over to Lazarus's tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. And some people, I think, perhaps logically said, it's a good thing He said Lazarus or He would have emptied every tomb in the whole cemetery. He is the power of life, the power of resurrection. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says it in different words. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, He Himself likewise also partook of the same. That's saying Jesus lived. He came as a man. He took on humanity. He partook of the same that through death... He might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject subject to slavery all their lives. Now, Peter quoted Joel. Peter did not quote John. Hadn't been written yet. Peter didn't quote Hebrews. Hadn't been written yet. But he's on a roll. He showed that the arrival of the Holy Spirit was a vital step in the kingdom program of God. It was not a surprise. It was as predicted by the prophet Joel. And now he turns to another Old Testament source. He's going to use three altogether. Here comes the second one. Jesus lived. You nailed him to a cross. God raised him up again. David predicted the resurrection. And it's very important, very significant that Peter chose David because David's the man for Israel. They knew that it was to King David that had come the promise that there would be a Messiah who would come and reign on his throne forever. And this time, the prophetic passage that Peter chooses is Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. As I said, it's the second of three Old Testament quotations in this sermon. And as we saw last time with the quote from Joel, this was written in the form of poetry. That's why it's written in your Bible in a line-by-line format rather than a paragraph format. And it's written, the, the parts from the Old Testament are written in all caps in the New America Standard to show those are the Old Testament words. So look at it with me, with me, verses 25 through 28. For David says of him, what is Peter saying? This is all about Jesus. David says of him, Jesus, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for He is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. 
You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.